Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. We also have co-hosts Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet. We will share with you the wisdom of the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic, Brachma. Michael is the author of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information about the forgiveness process, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, welcome to the show, Mind Shifters Radio. Hello and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio. I'm Tim Hayes. I'm your host for the first hour. And today is Wednesday, February 22nd, 2023. As always, we're grateful to everyone who's joining us here today, whether you're listening live or through the archives, as we spend another couple of hours teaching and supporting people in using some of the most powerful, effective, efficient, and accessible tools I have ever encountered. These tools are available absolutely free through the tireless efforts of Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice on the website at whyagain.org. And If you'll excuse me for just a moment, I have somebody who's texting me with a time-sensitive situation, and I need to respond appropriately, and I will do that right now. So if you go to that website and click on the the words that say Start Here in the upper left-hand corner, it will take you to a page where you can download and read Chapter 24 of Dr. Michael Rice's book, The book is titled, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? And that chapter of that book contains a narrative description of the primary tool in this work. That tool is called the Reality Management Worksheet, sometimes called the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet. And it's a tool I've been using to great effect for over 18 years to improve the quality of my life and most of my relationships and to turn any negative emotional experience I have into part of the infallible guidance system that each and every one of us has been given. You can also download the actual worksheet process itself. It's a simple PDF file. Click the link, download it, print it off, copy it as often as you'd like, and use it over and over again absolutely free. You can also download a whole host of audio files that shows just like this one where people have been stepped through that worksheet process. And if you listen to those, even repeatedly, they can serve as a powerful tutorial to help you get the most out of these tools in the least uh, shortest amount of time. You can also go to your app store and type in the three words, Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness. And if you do that, before you're done typing the word forgiveness, you'll see the glowing heart icon. If you tap on that, it will let you download a completely free and private app that contains the Reality Management Worksheet 
contains an abbreviated version of that worksheet process, and it contains a copy of the Dragon Klingon game, which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. And we hope people do all of that soon and often because it tends to improve the quality of people's lives, primarily as they apply these tools in their lives. And secondarily, it tends to prompt comments, questions, answers, and testimonials. And if you have any of those to share with us, please give us a call at 563-999-3581. Call that number, press 1. It'll put the little icon of a hand by your phone number. And I can turn on your uh, microphone and announce you by your area code, and we can have a conversation. We greatly appreciate when people do that because it makes it far easier for us to live into our intention with this work. The intention with this work is for us to be a service. And when people let us know how this, these uh, topics and uh, worksheets and discussions we're having are landing with them, it makes it far easier for us to live into that intention. <clears throat> we had somebody step through a worksheet process just yesterday on the show, and uh, we are available to do that. We're making the commitment this year to uh, to do even more of those, and if you have questions about a worksheet or if you'd like to discuss a worksheet you did since the last show, um, or if you'd like help working through a worksheet or even framing out a worksheet for doing later on your own. Those are all good questions, and we appreciate every time somebody adds that to our show, makes that offering. So again, the call-in number is 563-999-3581. Call that number and press 1. I will turn on the microphone and announce you by your area code. This is a Wednesday, which means last night we had another support group. And in that support group, we watched another video of an interview of somebody who had done, he's interviewed over 1,200 people who've had near-death experiences. Michael Rice likes to call them near-life experiences. And he was discussing how loving and optimistic the picture is of humanity when it comes from these um, stories, reports, experiences, insights, intuitions, channelings that happen from people when they've had an experience that's other than just the physical body and other than just what the mechanical level of mind, the human brain, can um, can offer us. And we say that with clarity because a number of these people who've had these near-death experiences um, had those experiences when they were in direct medical care and the medical professionals have testified this person was brain dead. This this person's brain physiology was not functioning. This is not just nerves firing in the brain, and this is not just a, a dream state or a hallucination or a collective uh, training to think about life or the afterlife in one way or another, because this person's 
actual brain functioning was either destroyed or completely offline as far as our best medical instruments can detect and register. Evan Alexander is one of those people who was a um, a brain scientist himself, and when he had uh, a massive infection in his brain that completely enveloped uh, the cranium and had his cerebral spinal fluid just completely full of infection and had been brain dead for an extended period of time, according to all of the best science and medical doctors that we have, he came back and gave extensive reports about what had been happening during the time that his medical colleagues said he was dead. And he even gave reports about things that happened in the hospital room, body was, during the time that they said he was brain dead. He even gave reports about things that happened in other parts of the hospital while his body was in a room somewhere else. So these are the kinds of things that there isn't any way to explain them with logic or um, our current understanding of what physical is and what non-physical is. And so this interview that we watched is with this author who has interviewed, I think he interviewed 700 people before he wrote his book. And um, now he's interviewed over 1,200, and he's working on another book. Um, But the message is just very loving and very hopeful. The message about where we're going as a species and what we need to do to move forward and how we are getting less and less violence despite what you might what you might take as a a truth if you're tuning into the news media on any regular basis you know if you just tune into the news and you hear about the war in Ukraine and you hear about Um, the shootings in America and you hear about this and that, you'll think, oh my gosh, we're falling apart. We're, we're, we're barbaric and we're doomed. And, but you know, that's just not the, that's not the truth. It's certainly not all that's going on in life. And it's certainly not a good assessment overall. Some of the examples they were giving that a lot of people forget is that even in the uh, early 1900s, like 120 years ago, it was commonplace for there to be lynchings right here in America. I still remember the time. I I have a vivid memory of being in the old, old wooden building, 100-plus-year-old wooden building in the library in the basement of the college I attended, And I pulled up um, an old newspaper article, and it talked about how since I was born, you know, I was probably eight or ten years old, and there was a newspaper article reporting about a lynching in the southern part of the state I was born in. 
and it just rocked my world. I just, I, I had been raised in a good family. I had been raised with lots of talk about love and peace and, you know, resolving differences respectfully and all that good stuff. And, and um, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd been raised with a very uh, accepting um, attitude towards people of different cultures and skin colors, etc. And I was just floored. I think I started crying. I know I sat there for many, many minutes just reading and rereading, not able to believe I was reading it this accurately. How could this possibly have happened in the state I lived in? Since I was born, there had been a lynching of somebody just because of their skin color. And you know, there are all kinds of things like that that if you stop and think about them, they used to be commonplace, and now we're far more aware. We're far less tolerant of that kind of abuse. It isn't perfect. It isn't even close. And yet it's certainly moving in the right direction. And that's the point of, you know, the message that we were listening to last night and the message that comes through from a lot of these people who've had near-death experiences. And they, they receive um, life-altering messages and instruction. And, um, you know, many people who come back from those things change their relationship status. They change their job. They change their focus in life. They change their attitude toward being more loving. And it's not... You know, it is based simply on the fact that being more loving feels better. So that's what we listened to last night, and that was what we discussed. And um, and we have plenty of time to talk about that or anything else. If you have questions or comments about the worksheets that have been offered and discussed so far this week or last week or anything else we've talked about for the last 12 years, please give us a call and press 1 on your phone or send me an email at tjh at mindshifters-academy.org and we'll do our best to respond to that on air and then send you a message letting you know what date and time we we're able to respond, and um, then you can check out the archive to listen for the feedback. So 563-999-3581, call that number, press 1 on your phone, we can have a conversation. Part of me says I should um, look up the the name of the person we were listening to last night. And it has to do with um, a gentleman named David Suich, S-U-I-C-H. And the podcast is called um, 
coming up here. This is um hold on a minute, I'll give you the name of the podcast. The name of the podcast is called Something Something Soul, Next Level Soul. And this is uh an interview with David Sewich, S U I C H. And it's the Next Level Soul podcast. So if you want to look up that in YouTube, it's about an hour and eight minutes long. And again, it's very optimistic. It's very loving in its message. And um, I think it's entirely possible that you might resonate with some of the things that are said and not resonate with some other things that were said. We actually had that as an experience for several of the people in the group last night. And um, it isn't that we're asking anybody to agree with us or believe in what we're putting out there. What we're doing with this work is offering some, what we believe are very practical tools. And if you engage the tools and they work for you, great. If you try engaging in the tools and they don't, That's fine, too. Just let it go. Move on to something else. Do what you can in this process to keep looking, because it's been my uh, deep and profound experience over the last 48 and a half years of doing therapy that most people can find good solutions to the things that are providing them upset tension, pain, conflict, challenging relationships, etc. So if you can stick with it, stick with the search, keep trying different things, chances are really good these days with as many different techniques and um, tools and groups and support with all the connectivity that's offered in a healthy way through the internet, chances are pretty good you can find something that works for you. So we like to be encouraging. We like to make sure that people have support at whatever level we can offer to keep up their search for what might bring them relief or joy or respite sometimes. I mean, sometimes we have people who are experiencing things that are so intense that I forget what Michael says um, in the biblical story of Job he asks for just enough time to swallow his spit before the next wave of difficulties is hitting him. And sometimes that's that's got to be enough because we are we're overwhelmed, we're flooded with so many things to deal with in a short period of time or within a given week or day or month or even in a year. I have people who have been going through a whole series of life events 
for over a year, where it just seems like it's one thing after another after another that requires major adjustment on their part, whether it's a divorce or a difficulty in a health problem for themselves or one of their children or one of their parents or whether it's work stress. And it just seems like there's not even any time to come up for air. And so if we can provide a respite with some of our tools and some of our support groups and or some of these Internet shows, that's our hope. And if you would let us know how we can be of service, it just makes it easier for us. So let us know. What can we do to support you? I remember I was in the past couple of support groups when we were looking at the uh, what will we do tonight in the support group and I throw it open to the group I end up uh, frequently thinking about some people who used to come to the support group who um, got upset and said well this isn't a, a mind shifters group anymore because you're showing things that's audio and video that isn't just Dr. Michael Rice's His lectures, he has, has um, I think I had at one point in the library, had 15 different uh, two-hour videos that Michael would make available. And we would watch them in rotation, probably for the first eight or nine years of that support group. That was almost all we did. And we'd go through the videos, and then it would take two weeks to get through one video, and then we'd start the cycle again. So that within each year, we watched his videos at least twice, each of his videos. So then as the, the, the composition of the group and the number of people who came consistently who had seen all of the videos solidified, people started to say, well, can we listen to Guy Finley or can we listen to some more of the Way of Mastery or can we listen to the Way of Mastery Darshans and so we did that and we branched out and we would keep coming back to some of Dr. Michael Rice's lectures but for the most part we would just do the tools either the Reality Management Worksheet or the Three Early Memories of Conflict or the um, Occasionally we would talk about the mind shifter tool. And so as we worked through that, some people got upset and said, well, now you're, you're, not, you're not a mind shifter group anymore. And yet the core of what we do is still to try and support people in using these very practical tools, which when applied directly in your life will improve your life experience. Whether it's, you know, a reality management worksheet to address an anxiety or a depression or um, a, a recurring negative thought or a disappointment or a guilt. I just had uh, some work I was doing with someone and she reported that the work we did last week was so beneficial because she had no idea the level of guilt she was holding. Mm. 
And what had happened was that she was very pregnant, getting ready to have her child, and it was scheduled to be a C-section. And at the last minute, she got a very strong intuitive knowing that she wasn't comfortable letting this surgeon that was scheduled to do the C-section to do the C-section. So she started telling people, I don't want I want a different surgeon. I don't want to follow through with this. I'm having this, you know, this intuition, this mother's knowing. Well, sure enough, that's not very convenient for the medical profession. And they didn't want to change. And they told her, well, that's never happened, and, you know, that can't really be done. And the long and short of it was that she pushed back a couple of times and then she gave in. And the experience was horrific. There were complications with the C-section. There was trauma to the child, trauma to her physically. Not too long after the birth, a couple days later, she had to be back in the hospital for internal bleeding and have another surgery to try and save her life. The bottom line is she was having guilt for not following her intuition. And if she doesn't become aware of that, if she doesn't cancel the goals around that, if she doesn't release the traumatic energy that it's resonating from younger times in her life, that will just keep churning and eating her up. And this week, she began the session by just thanking me profusely for helping her tap into that, become aware of it, and start resolving it. And that's what can happen with reality management worksheets. That's what can happen with the EFT tapping and or the mind shifter targeted journaling. So please let us know if there's some support that we can offer you, whether it's about issue of grief or it's about an issue of guilt, as in this case, or an issue of anger. And we'll be our it'll be our honor to support you in at least framing out a worksheet if not actually working through it. I myself on a regular basis make use of the relaxed breathing technique that stimulates the parasympathetic response and the EFT tapping and the reality management worksheets because I have been increasingly understanding over the past 18, almost 19 years now, the benefit to me of the daily application of these tools. Sometimes people, I had a new patient come in this week, and they're just absolutely in a panic. They've been in a panic. They've had anxiety attacks. They've had um, a recent hospitalization for a physical problem. 
And as they sit in the session, they're barely breathing. They're just holding their breath. You can see the tightness in their chest. They're almost gasping. And when I suggest breathe in this way, take a comfortably full set of air into your lungs, hold it for a couple seconds at the top, and resist the exhale. Slow it down and resist the exhale. And in a matter of minutes, you could see the muscle relaxation in the face and the chest. You could see the color returning to the face. You could see the energy in the room shift. All because of a choice to breathe consciously and to do something that would initiate the parasympathetic response, which is called the rest and digest response in our nervous system, as opposed to the sympathetic response, which is the thing that gears us up for fight or flight and self-protection, etc. So, please understand that the goal in all of this work is to teach and support people in using these powerful tools, practical tools, for improving your quality of life. So I take one of those breaths myself and ask if there's a comment or a question or a direction that you would like to go that would help us be of service to you today. different ways um, been using all of the tools in this past couple of weeks area code 541 you're in the air hello Dr. Tim Shalinda welcome you have uh, a good clear sound today oh good because the other thing I realized was that um, because we live in such a limited space, a lot of times I will lower my volume so that I can hear, but that it's not so disturbing for Larry, especially if I'm moving around. <laughs> so so I'm on loud and clear today. Um, so how did, your, uh, how did your worksheet from yesterday pan out? Okay, that's what I'm calling about. Uh, I was going to do the worksheet on the three-year-old experience um, this morning before the show, and when I woke up, I realized that that had to be put on hold because I remembered another um, aspect uh, that happened when I had a massage about 30 years ago, and the masseuse put me in front of the, a big picture window at the in this massage room. Um, and had me look out over the valley. And she asked me, okay, what are you feeling now? 
and I said, I feel like I am two arms and two legs and a head and that I'm totally clear in my body core. And um, and I kind of knew intellectually what that was about, that I felt that I had given myself away. But this morning I realized also more than that, that are, are you familiar with the, in, the Native American saying, call your spirit back? No. Okay. It's, it's, they, I've, I've read um, Native American stories, especially like men who come back from war or some sort of a mental health issue or depression or whatever, that they will actually um, put the person in a particular situation where they had to call their spirit back in order to live, you know, because it was a life or death choice. The person was self-destructing or destroying others. And um, that's what I felt uh, this morning. I felt, oh, it is time to call my spirit back. And that spirit, I realized, I abandoned. It was a co-creative process between my mother and me, I'm sure, I abandoned when I was two, I just gave up, gave up my essential self in order to survive. So I thought maybe if we could just frame out a worksheet for me this morning, that would be great. Can you help me understand how this ties into this story you started telling about the masseuse? That story, that that memory of the masseuse simply was a confirmation to me, a connection, a link between being two and having that insight when I was in my 40s, I believe, and that um, now I realize what that means is that it's about it's about surrendering and about trusting and about being who I really am instead of a puppet that um, my life is run about by things and people out there. Okay, so um, you, you tied that into something when you were two years old. How would you describe this new realization for the two-year-old experience? It's the awareness that I gave my soul away, gave soul away, that I just just shut that whole part of myself down. Okay, you shut what part of yourself down? Soul. I abandoned it. I still have it, but it's in lockdown. Okay, so um, by soul, do you mean uh, the ability to have a voice, have a choice, be independent, make your own decisions? What do you mean by soul? Of experiencing myself as love. of being able to operate from that, to function 
from that on a conscious, totally conscious level, or totally isn't okay. exactly so, the process. So, so, so this this may or may not be relevant to you, but it strikes me that this is a very intellectual process at this point, and to break out of that intellectual process, what I might recommend is um, it, that if that's all you can have, you know, that's all you get is this idea that I abandon my soul, that uh, you might benefit from just doing the targeted journaling that Michael calls um, a mind shifter. And the, and the mind shifter might be something like, it's safe and healing for me to fully, consciously experience myself as love. Yeah. And let yourself write in response to that for a couple hours and see what comes up. Okay. What what I would think of in terms of, you know, what you're describing from having a tantrum at two and your mother beating you until you quit crying and then decided to never cry or never have a tantrum again would be something like, a mind shifter about it's safe and healing for me to have connection to and follow my own internal guidance. Okay, I'll write that one down. For me to have connection to and follow. And follow my own internal guidance. So use both of those or the second one? Yes. Whatever your own internal guidance would, would lead you to. Okay. And and the, the, the reason for it is that when you say, I abandon my soul, I don't resonate with those words. I don't quite know what you mean by that. And when you're talking about okay. this being sparked by that incident where your mother hit your legs so um, strongly, that you quit crying and never threw a tantrum again when you were two years old, that probably had something to do with you trying to say or do something or have an outcome that your mother didn't agree with. Right. So, you know, you, you might say that here is my um, my worksheet might be something like I'm two years old and I want my mother to agree with me, and that's the goal. I want my mother to lovingly, gently, supportively agree with me. But what's happening instead is I'm two years old, my mother beat me viciously, and my thought is I must be a horrible person and I'm, I must not be able to make good decisions for myself because my decision almost got me killed here. So that would be like framing out the worksheet. Okay. But, it, you know, framing out a worksheet would need to be more specific and the journaling can be more general. Okay. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. And then if indeed this was one of those critical periods where you, quote, gave up on your soul or gave up on staying loving or your connection to love, that will be shown to you as you do those journalings. 
it will take you out of the intellectual assessment of it and into the felt, deeply felt emotional experience of it. Okay. If it indeed happened. All right. Comments, questions? No, I'm still um, turning this over and putting it together for me. Okay, I will do that. I will um, frame out this worksheet while I listen to you and um, see if it fits with the mind shifters that I will do. Okay. And then I can go back and correct it by what comes up in my mind shifters. Yeah, the, the, the challenge that many of us have is to get out of our conscious logical mind and the assessment. And one of the the biggest reasons why that's such a challenge is that many of us are quite intellectually proficient. And whenever we're stuck, we like to use our strength to help get unstuck. And if you've got a very strong conscious logical mind, then your mind wants you to use your strength to get out of the pained position. And that's doing what David Bohm would call sustained incoherence. That's using your conscious, logical, intellectual mind to repeat a thought process, and it's the faulty thought process that's actually causing your pain, fear, sadness, and upset. So you won't ever get an answer. You won't ever move toward calm or love or peace through the thought process. Only by finding a way to go around it, short-circuit it, step aside from it, ask for another source of input, insight, intuition, will you ever find a resolution? Well, how does my memory fit in with that of the feeling like I had no core? Uh, Because that felt intuitive. Well, but that that core, that feeling that you have no core is something that there aren't really any words for. And so, you know, everything you can do that's deeply experiential that helps you breathe and soften and release any physical tension, any emotional energies, any false negative conclusions that come up about yourself, that are tied into that, every experiential work you do that gets you out of your head and back into your felt sense. Because like what we're talking about here is this memory you have is like at age two. Mm-hmm. If you have any language at two years of age, it's quite limited. If you have any understanding of the meaning of words at age two. It's very surface level and one-dimensional. And yet your life experience 
can be deep and rich and alive and full of sensation and taste and smell and emotion that there aren't any words for. Right. So when you as an adult say, oh, I gave up my soul, you might have some thoughts about what that means as an adult, but you really haven't tapped into what that experience was like as a child. So if you sit and do some EFT tapping sessions where you're just gently repeating, even though I feel like I shut down at two years old, even though I don't understand why my mom was raging at me, even though I have intense pain, even though X, Y, and Z, I deeply and completely love, accept, and forgive myself. And then just go through the breath work softening and do the EFT tapping and put yourself in that same space that we talk about in the forgiveness pattern. I cancel my need to be right. I cancel my need for anyone or anything to change, including myself. That might be a good thing to do is just put on that recording of me reciting the forgiveness pattern as you sit and do rounds of EFT tapping. And just allow whatever bubbles up to bubble up. And as you do that, you've got one foot, metaphorically speaking, one foot grounded here as the adult who acknowledges some kind of disconnect, some kind of pain, fear, or sadness, hurt, etc. And one foot in the deep, raw, physical, emotional experience of the two-year-old that was so traumatized. And as you use the conscious logical minds to breathe and soften and tap and continually say, I cancel my need to figure this out. I cancel my need to be right. I cancel my need for anything or anyone to change. And I put myself in that open allowing space and I trust that anything, sight, sound, physical sensation, emotion, thought, anything that bubbles into my awareness is part of what I need to see to begin to heal here and move forward. If you spend some time doing that, and I don't mean just a one-shot deal of five or ten minutes. I mean this is the kind of thing where it's probably loaded into a trauma, so it would be a good thing to do this routinely multiple days in a row for at least you know 10 or 15 minutes of breathing and tapping and allowing and visualizing comforting your two-year-old self or visualizing just sitting and listening to what your two-year-old might want to communicate, that will open up what you need to experience to release this trauma and start to move forward. And you can't figure it out. Figuring it out is the trap. Yep, it's a way to keep yourself from feeling. Yes. Yes. And the only way, as Christian Sundberg would say, which is in full agreement with what I've understood from the many trauma courses, trauma reduction courses I've taken, the only way to heal this is to let yourself feel it fully. Thank you. 
And it isn't going to be fun, right? It's not going to be Dr. Feelgood. It's not like, oh, a nice warm bath and sitting here with candles lit and my favorite meditative music on. It's not going to be that kind of experience. I just flashed on a memory. I had a gentleman come to see me, and he was doing some good work, and he's he was in his mid to late 60s at the time, and he was a successful business person who'd retired, and great big guy, 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. And when we did one of these experiential exercises, he flashed on a scene of himself being four or five years old, hiding in, in the tall grass out in a field, way away from everything as far as his experience was as a four or five-year-old. And he was just in terror hiding in the grass. So we did this visualization experience in the session, and we had him, with my coaching, being there in the session with him, we had him visualize himself, six foot six, walk into that grass field, go over to the little boy who's hiding in the grass, get down there in the grass with him, give him a hug, and ask him gently, what do you need from me, your grown-up self, to feel better right now? I'm you all grown up. You're here. We're safe. What do you need from me to feel better right now? So we did that exercise in the session. And then we had him visualize a happy scene with him and the five-year-old and and do a little visualization with it with color and and energy work. And he said, oh, that feels much better. Okay, good. Now, between sessions, what I'd like to have you do is go visit that five-year-old and just get down there in the grass with him and ask him, what do you need from me to feel better right now? And he says, okay. So he left. He was gone for two weeks. He came back. I said, so how's it going? He says, nope, it's not going. doesn't work. And I said, really? I said, so he said, I've tried it. doesn't work. I said, so what happens when you visualize yourself as the adult getting down there in the grass with that five-year-old? And he said, well, I'm not doing that. <laughs> and I said, oh, okay. <laughs> Because the horror, the terror, the, the the pain, the suffering, whatever it was that he tapped into with the five-year-old, he didn't want to go back and experience again. It was so intense that the 67-year-old didn't want to go near it. And so, of course, he wouldn't let it bubble up. He wouldn't be able to see the parts of it he needs to feel through and release. And so it's staying stuck in his system. So rather than talking about this, I have have to strongly encourage you to do whatever of the experiential work you're willing and capable of doing to breathe and soften, whether you add the EFT tapping to that breath work or not, whether you add the mind shifter journaling to that relaxation process or not, and just let stuff bubble up and just ask to be shown either from your two-year-old self or from your intuition, or from your higher guides, whatever you want, ask to be shown something that doesn't have words, that you're not going to get through, you're not going to get to it through logic, and that may or may not make any sense to your adult self, but it's going to be okay. 
because you've already lived through it, and there's nothing about it that can be bad for you to see and experience because you've already survived it, you've handled it, you've judged it, you've cataloged it, and now you're hiding it from yourself. So as Guy Finley says, there is no such thing as bad self-knowledge. You're not going to find out a bad fact about yourself that ruins your life going forward. The only thing that can happen as you step back into these trauma memories and ask to be shown and breathe and soften and visualize comforting the two-year-old with energy, not words, letting yourself experience fully whatever was going on for the two-year-old and breathe and soften as that comes up. That's the only way to feel it fully, experience it, heal it, and move through it. Thoughts? It's really interesting because I feel a lot of resistance. Like I, I would have, I would feel. Um, as if I were pushing the boulder up the hill just to release my mind, my intellectual brain enough to be even be willing to experience that which I fear. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah that's, that's very much like the gentleman in the story that I just relayed. And, right. and it may be that, that you're not going to be able to get yourself to be willing to do that on your own. It may be that you're going to need to find somebody you can do trauma work with and have the connection and the support before you soften enough to trust that it is okay for you to go back through this. That's another interesting um, observation because there was only one woman. That I trusted enough. Therapist. Please keep breathing. You don't even need to talk right now, but you just tapped into some strong emotions, so just breathe. And often, keep the breath moving and let yourself feel that emotion. She was like a mother, and then she died. He was also a friend. So if you keep your breath open and you make some notes about this and all the thoughts that are coming up, you might, you know, have good results right there or you might hit a wall again. And if you hit a wall again, then you can try the mind shifter. It's safe and healing for me to do my internal work even though this therapist died.
or it's safe and healing for me to do this internal work even though I don't have a therapist to connect with right now. And keep your breath moving, please. And be gentle with yourself. Interesting. It feels like looking for mommy in all the wrong places. <laughs> okay, well, that's a nice phrase to write down, but it it shouldn't be anything you stay on. It's just a a thought, a nice turn of a phrase to write down with all of the other associations that that may come up, that will eventually come up. All right. Okay, thank you. We're winding down on time, so I will mute you so you can listen into the second half of the show. As always, I thank you for your contribution, and I will remind us all that we come from love. We're made of the stuff we call love. We actually are love, the energy of creation expressing in form, and everything else is false. Welcome, Jeannie Rice. Thank you, Dr. Kim. Appreciate you. You're very welcome and deserving. I still have no chat room uh, connection. I just have the spinning wheel. Yeah. So. Okay. I will write to them again. <laughs> they just right. send have me back notes show. and say thank you. Okay, thanks. Yeah, yeah. yeah they just say thanks. Yeah. <laughs> we have a spinning <laughs> wheel here, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you have a good day. You, too. So welcome, everybody, to the second hour of MindShifters Radio, and today is Wednesday, February 22nd, 2023, and our call-in number is 563-999-3581, and press 1, and that puts you into queue to talk to us, and we'd love to hear your comments and questions, because that makes this your show. And uh, while I'm waiting on Michael to dial in, I'll direct you to the website, I made a couple of changes this morning, one being um, I put under schedule Heartland Season 2023 as a separate item, so it's easier to find. As of right now, the group that was going to use uh, Heartland in August has decided they're not going to. Um, They said they didn't have enough participation or whatever, so that is out. However, we are still waiting to see if we have enough people to commit to do food, fun, forgiveness, and work. And if we do that, then we'll do either nine-day Y or a 17-day teacher's training. And we have space to do that since the uh, other group is not going to be using the facility. The tentative dates I've got on the website as July the 8th to the 23rd for the 16-day food, fun, and forgiveness, and work. And we do work projects during the day, have classes in the evening, and uh, still put breathing on the weekend. And then uh, the nine-day why, 
uh, tentatively from July the 9th to August the 6th. And if we do teachers training, it would continue starting August the 6th. So you can pick up that information and watch for updates on that on the website. And uh, also extended the in July the, talk, the 29th? Um, well, the dates that we had, said- well, it just... Um, it just flipped on me. Hold on a second. Let me get back over. The, the ah, come on, computer. <laughs> so <laughs> it, we had said tentatively that July the eighth to the twenty third would be the sixteen day, and then right. we had skipped some days in between to finish up tasks and all. We were trying to set it so that the the dates fell coming in on a Saturday, leaving out on a Sunday, so people only took like one full week off instead of a week right. and a half or whatever. But So that would put it July 29th to August the 6th if we stayed with that. Like right. I said, these okay. are approximate dates, and if everybody would watch on the website and when things get finalized, then we'll put the dates out there. But we'd love to hear from you if you're interested. Yes. Come and play. Signal your intent so we know what to do. It's going to be the first time in four years that Heartland's been open, so looking forward to it. And so, Miss Jeannie, I think we've got a, uh, a caller ready to have a conversation. We do, and he has his hand up. So, 770, you are on the air. Welcome, young man. Hi. How are you? Hey. We're rocking. How are things in Texas? Tejas. Wonderful. Wonderful. Oh, good. A little bit rainy, a little stormy, but that provides a little relief, so that's great. We've got sun and 70-degree temperatures today. Nice. That's beautiful. Beautiful for us. Not so good, I don't think, for the environment, but... Yeah. I think I think the creatures, I think the flowers, with, with the fact there's probably more frost coming, are going to suffer from this 70-degree weather that's so nice for us. But that's what is today. Yeah, it's, it's yeah we been, have uh, daffodils and crocuses already blooming here. It's amazing. And the 10-day forecast from here out isn't showing that it's going down below freezing, so it might be all right, but I suspect that, uh, you know, the next week is probably going to bring us something else, but we'll see. <laughs> it's a little bit early yet. It's a little bit early, yes. Yeah. So we'll just Same hold here. those crocuses and those warm. daffodils in love. And, uh, it's been very warm here. It's cooling off a little bit. Um, awesome. So what be on your mind, sir? Well, I'd love to continue from yesterday with uh, a, a quick uh, off the subject of Allison uh, question from some weeks ago that introduced us to the, the, the video on Boron. And right. I wanted to ask you your thoughts on the differences between a boron supplement, as I've been taking a boron supplement uh, occasionally. It's called, uh, it's, it's boron as a, a boron complex, citrate, aspartate, and glycinate. Uh, how would you say that compares to the boron that's with the borax solution as, as you introduced us to? 
I think uh, with that question, it'd be better to go back to the the folks who did the video and ask them that question. It's it's uh, it's kind of a new topic. You know, boron has just been another you know mineral in my awareness, not something that was Mm -hmm. as urgent as uh, as that video presents it. And so I really don't have an answer for the question. I was supplemental compared to. My best understanding is that the the borax product gives the body the raw materials that it needs to build what it needs. But beyond that thought, and I don't even know if that thought's 100% correct, I really don't Mm -hmm. have any any particular knowledge. Yeah, something I had just been contemplating as I've never tried the the borax solution, although I've known for some time that that's a possible source. Now, excuse me, that's not possible. That, that is a source. And just have to investigate that a little further. Just curious. Yeah. I've noticed some positive changes in my structure since I started using it. Mm. That I would attribute to that. There's not much else that I've changed in what I do. So That's a good sign. That's a real good sign. Okay, well, thank you for that. And I will look back at that video and see if there's any contact information in there. Yeah, I believe there's a website, and you can connect with them through the website. That's neat. That's neat. Okay, Allison. So microcirculation is really the only way we're feeding that, that our cells are fed and nourished and waste removed. Correct. Correct? Wow. Yeah, it's got to get into the the uh, capillary before it gets delivered to a cell. The, the veins and arteries deliver it to the capillary bed, but it's a capillary bed that, bed that diffuses it into the, the cells themselves, into the tissue. Mm. Amazing. Now, I remember somewhere, I, I think it was in one of your videos, did you mention about the energy being changed in the cell as it is being fed and nourished and waste removed? Is that a... Well, of course, the whole cell is going to be transformed in its function. You know, if it's mm-hmm. deprived of what it needs, whether it's, you know, perhaps one molecule like boron, then it's not going to function fully. And when you can restore what's missing, then the cell knows how to heal itself. There's no person, there's no machine that can heal anybody. We can certainly do things to augment and support someone's healing, but it's the body that ultimately is going to do it. You know, I, I like to default back to that story of the, the woman with a 12-year issue of blood. She can't get through this issue. She's willing, she wants to, but she can't get through it. She needs a little support, and, you know, they speak of support, and I would I would take it as the input of the active presence of love as touching the hem of Yeshua's garment. Nothing to do with a piece of cloth, but touching into his energy to vitalize herself on another level. And the willingness she has to heal is what he you know, tells her is what carried her through her healing process. And so it's always the structure that's going to heal. It's that structure that's going to do the healing. It's nothing outside. There are supports. There are ways to augment it. If it's the structure's not mm-hmm. getting what it needs, 
and you give it what it needs, it's going to do what it's designed to do. And if it's being deprived, whether it's externally, as in, you know, there's boron poor soils and you need a, to supplement it, or whether it's blocked and just not getting to the cell because of internal conditions. And, of course, the, the major internal condition is chronic um, sympathetic dominance, where that fear, flight, fright, freeze, or fawning mechanism falls into place and, uh, and cellular blood flow is shunted away from the higher functions of the brain, shunted away from the rest, digest, regenerate, healing functions of the body to survival. And so getting that switched back, which is one of the first things that the Avacyn does, it activates that sympathetic dominance. And, you know, there are many programs out there for activating sympathetic dominance, but if the primary, which they say the the primary impetus for being in sympathetic dominance in the first place is fear that constricts blood flow and redirects it. If that becomes chronic and if those structures become congested because of the chronic wastes that are there, then until that's addressed, it's not going to get to the cell no matter how much of it you put in your body. I know the, the gentleman who introduced me to the Avacyn originally Patrick McGann, you've probably heard him on the show. He's a naturopath. We've been yes. hanging out with each other for a better than a half a century now. And one of the things that he noticed, he does a lot of supplementation. But when he started using the Avacyn, he was able to cut back his supplementation by $85 a month that he felt he didn't need now that his body it was being distributed in his body that he didn't need all that supplementation to try and get enough into the cell to make it work that the avicen was taking it in at that much deeper level that he didn't need you know he didn't have to waste you know a lot of a lot of times if, if supplements aren't being metabolized they just get peed out they're gone so it's the, the key is not just getting them into the body but it's getting them into the cell and if, the, if there's chronic uh, sympathetic dominance, it's just not going to the cell. I have actually heard several practitioners over the past several years speak about just because something is in our blood, you know, a, a good level of a mineral or, or whatever the case may be, does not mean it's getting into the cell. And That's the whole point. You are the... Yes, yes. You, this is the first time. You're the first one who has explained, at least in my understanding, of how we feed the cell. So that takes us from the level of what's in the blood into the cell through the through proper... It's got to get into the capillary. Yeah, it's got to get into the capillary to get into the cell. And if those capillary orifices are closed, chronic sympathetic dominance and congested, because I'm going on for so long until something gets in there and cleans it out, then there's trouble in paradise. That is such a beautiful, beautiful scenario. Wow. And, and if, if we're feeding the cell the way the cell needs and, and, and desires, the energy is going to be proper in that cell. And, that's and then if you have the mind energy... Overall. 
that's going to improve our overall physiological expression. And then you start to bring in the flip side of what we call the body, and that is the mind. There's no separation between the two. And the correction of what we're doing, you know, the, why is the sympathetic dominance there in the first place? Because there's fear. Because the mind energy of fear has entered the scene. So then the process of forgiveness of fear, you know, you go back to Yeshua, and contrary to what many in churchianity will tell you about how great fear is, at least 15 different times Yeshua says, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. It's like, and, and then refers to fear, you know, almost like a demon to be cast out. Perfect love casts out fear. If love is fully present, frontal lobes of the brain, back of the brain, then the, the mind cannot generate a fear-based reality, and the cell doesn't have to tolerate it. And there's where the forgiveness process comes in. And you know, we can congest the function of a cell just by thinking about something fearful. You know, um, you know, think about yourself in a nice, quiet. You're in a beautiful spa in meditation, and you know, you're just laid back and relaxing and breathing, and things are just awesome. And all of a sudden, you hear in your ear what sounds like a gunshot. What happens to your physiology? It changes totally and completely because of a thought. And so the forgiveness process becomes the, I think, the major key. I think without any, you know, physiological support, if we could get our mind energy and our relationship with ourselves as love, right, everything else would unfold of its own accord. Healing would occur naturally. Mm-hmm. And depending how chronic the condition is, how long it's been going on, and how, how stuck we are in the perceptual modes based in fear, then physiological support, nutritional support, you know, if if only 10% of what you eat is getting into the cell and the cell needs 50%, well, gee, if you supplement 50%, the cell's going to start to get what it needs but then you're throwing half of it away. So there's where the microcirculation comes in to literally deliver the, number one, just the fluids, just just the fact of a, a cleansing fluid coming through the cell where it's been deprived is major. It's going to make a major difference in the function of the cell. Yeah. And then, of course, the cleansing thought is going to do the same for it on the level where the cell is control mechanisms of the mind. You know, if we look at Bruce Lipton's work, he tells us that you think a thought produces a literal molecule. The molecule lands on a cell, inserts itself in the cell, and if one is looking within that cell, we would say as that molecule, that neuropeptide inserts itself, that's literally that thought, we would call what comes into the cell chemistry. And, of course, the chemistry of fear is a powerful force. Notice how Job came to a conclusion after all that he went through. His, I mean, it's the whole story of a healing crisis. He comes to the conclusion, oh, I got it. That which I feared most, that which I lent my creative energy to, has come upon me. I just set it up. Forgiveness withdraws the energy from those habitual patterns that, you know, are sometimes ingrained so deeply, you know, you recognize it coming from 
a thousand generations. So it takes some significant work, you know. They said, Tiesha, how many of these darn worksheets do we have to do? How many times do I need to forgive us to my brother? Is seven enough? (laughs) Definitely not. It's going to be, you know, because these are, you know, look to the lives of the fathers for ours are but a shadow of theirs. We tend to have our patterns established, much as we hate to admit it, by our power person. And until we can undo, until we can literally confront those things, then the mind will find all kinds of reasons to be pissy and moany and angry and condemning and judging and you know, do all kinds of things. But when you recognize you're doing that to your own cellular structure first, that you get the original and they're just getting a carbon copy, you start to think twice about what you do with your mind. Mm-hmm. This has been a wonderful aha moment putting this together these last few days about the microcirculation and the energy. And I don't believe I ever mentioned it before, but in this area where I live, I came to visit some friends several years ago and set up an appointment with a man uh, in in the Dallas area. And he is a a large uh, Custabetti body, excuse me, for energy and energy systems and right. mine mine uh, had several I, I I'm understanding that each muscle group is is basically a, a large uh, like battery through the must be individual cells and yeah the individual cell functions like a battery mm-hmm. no the, the outside of the cell The, the interstitial fluid around the cell is designed to be of one charge, negative charge, or alkaline, and the core of the cell is acid. So that creates, literally, you've got an alkaline battery that creates a flow which carries nutrients into the cell and such when the uh, excess of electrons in an alkaline fluid are drawn to the positive charge in the center of the cell. But if people are, you know, in that congested place, you know, if they're the the tree that's fallen on the river and it's all congested and their dietary regimen is one of avoidance because they don't want to feel and don't want to deal, then they'll turn all the fluids in their structure acidic. And now you don't have that battery happening. You've got to have a difference in the charge from the outside of the cell to the inside of the cell to open the pathways for nutrition to even get into the cell. And, you know, where, they, where oftentimes when, when that system is off base, there's pain. And so what people want more than anything is relief from their pain. Mm-hmm. But the truth is you really don't want relief from your pain. If you, you know, there are many mechanisms the world has discovered that they can sell you in a bottle that will shut down your awareness of your pain if you've got any. And that's what people tend to become addicted to. But what that does is it shuts down pathways of feedback into the structure and into the brain. The difference with the Avacyn is the Avacyn is opening up pathways of vitalization into the cell and throughout the structure, as opposed to, oh, we're going to get rid of these symptoms. 
you know, it's the only medical treatment that I know of that I hear people regularly say, I love the side effects of my Avacyn medical treatment. <laughs> because it's just pure support and opening the pathways for the structure if it's got the resources to heal. If it's got the tools to process, what's going to move? Things are going to come up. Things are going to move. And so much like the hem of his garment, as it was spoken in that particular passage, it was the woman's willingness to heal and do her work that brought her healing. He's really clear on it. And all he was was support. Hmm. And so as opposed to restricting, which drugs do, and junk food and alcohol and all the stuff that's you know taken over our culture, mm-hmm. it opens the pathways for support and the energy that's needed to get in where it's needed, where it's maybe been blocked for literally for generations. They call mm-hmm. those inherited diseases, and so unblocking those things becomes a major piece of work. Had you ever heard this before? And it got me thinking about this whole path about energy. This this uh, man's office that I went and did the testing, which was reasonable, uh, priced, and found out that I had I I forget exactly the number, but there's a, there's several groups of these batteries in my body, if you will, that right. were that were low, they were not where they should have been. There's a way they measure this, and I forget the the, mach- the machine that, that does it. But some right. were even reversed, reverse polarity. Had you ever heard of anything like that? I have, yes. This just amazed me. Okay, so that amazed me. It kind of blew me away. Now, I was certainly wanting to to get that situation resolved, but his pricing was just astronomical to address that. So, of course, it's something I right. wasn't able to accomplish and still haven't. But it seems to me, from what I've heard about Avison, that it would do that, it would do that job. Because of course, well, again, it's the, the structure the cell, that's... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the structure that's going to do the healing, not the avicen. What the avicen is going to do is open up pathways for the delivery of what's there. And as I said with Patrick, right. you know, he he cut back his supplementation by eighty-five dollars. He literally paid for his avicen by the supplementation that he didn't need because it wasn't getting yeah. delivered into yeah. the cell. Hmm. Uh, well, so, I, so I put this all together these last few days in my mind and thought, this is. This is just amazing. Another wild big aha moments here, and and uh, I share something else with with you about about me. As I had for as long as I can remember, since in probably early twenties. So it goes back a couple of years anyway, and right. I've had this situation in my blood <clears throat> where. The MCV, which I understand is the mean cor- corpuscle vo- volume, is that how it's pronounced? Mm-hmm. The size of the red blood cells, yeah. size of the red blood cells. Right. I run, I run high, or or many times, I, I mean r- very high, like right at the at the upper limit, or sometimes over the limit. And you know, I've seen that in in the red reports over the years, and folks say, well, that's that's no problem. You know, it's still still very close. Uh, well, I never 
could agree with that, but I haven't found anybody that could shed any light on it. If the size of the red, uh, red blood uh, cells are large in my body, that tells me that from what I understand from what understanding more about microcirculation now, that I'm having difficulty pushing those red blood cells through the capillaries. That would tend to be a challenge, yes. And one of the things that happens with the Avacyn is the it is a, blood is a, what's called a non-Newtonian liquid. Uh, just like non-Newtonian? You know, molasses, non-Newtonian, which means that molasses is really slow in February. <laughs> it mm-hmm. thickens with temperature. It thins as the temperature goes up. So one of the things that happens, you know, the mechanism of action with the Avacyn is it's pouring heat into the bloodstream. Within 10 minutes of your hand being in the machine, all of the blood in your body, you're getting a whole body treatment. Every, everywhere the blood goes is being touched by that warmed blood. One of the things that it tends to do is to relax muscle fibers, and it's muscle fibers that close the capillary and restrict the blood flow through the capillary which restricts it getting to the cell. So that warm blood over those capillaries softens them, opens them, and allows that circulation to enter where sympathetic dominance shut those capillaries down. It's kind of like the headwaters of the blood flow to the cell. It shut those headwaters down when sympathetic dominance started. And, of course, if you shut something down where there's designed to be a flow, there's going to tend to be an accumulation of debris if that flow is slowed down. You know, one of the other, you know, if you talk to Magda, one of the things she noticed very early in using the Avacyn was that her gray roots were disappearing. Jeannie, when we met 20 years ago, was already coloring her hair every month or so to keep the gray roots covered. And when... COVID struck, we stopped, you know, spending so much time outside, so she just let that go. And uh, and now, if you look at a picture of her, she has dark, dark roots. She doesn't have gray roots anymore. Wow. And the thesis being that, you know, the coloring of hair comes from the minerals in the hair. If there's a deficiency of minerals getting into the cell and getting the hair follicle, then the hair is going to lose its color. They say that's a traditional part of aging, but actually it's a traditional part of restricted circulation that doesn't allow the delivery of the nutrient into the cell. Mm-hmm. And so Jeannie's roots are quite dark, and she certainly doesn't need to uh, to uh, dye them anymore. <laughs> and Magda had the same experience. She was actually the first one to notice that. Amazing. Amazing. And my, my family... I'm, you had mentioned, I think, your family in the, on the video. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The gray hair you're talking about? Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, my brother was white, you know, 25 years ago. He's my younger brother. And uh, I was gray, salt and pepper, but I'm getting more pepper and less salt in my gray hair. That's changing in my my beard and my my hair. That's where I got to go. So it's, <laughs> it's, 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 again, it's delivering. It's it's allowing the nutrition to go down deeper into the cell, deeper into the structure. 
So it's enhancing the delivery mechanism rather than, and there's where it comes in as non-invasive uh, natural pain treatment. One of the things that the device is approved for by the FDA is pain management. And so it's totally, you know, most pain management has to do with shutting down, inhibiting those pain signals from getting to awareness. That's what anesthetics do. That's what drugs do. Where this enhances the nutrient delivery into the cell so that the cell isn't screaming in pain. You know, 5% lack of oxygen in the cell, according to uh, uh, Dr. Sarno, John Sarno, a 5% lack of oxygen means that you've got a cell in excruciating pain. So you can anesthetize the cell, shut down pathways of communication, which just leads to further degeneration, or you can open the pathways of communication and you can deliver more oxygen to the cell and the cell goes, oh, I'm a happy camper now. I've got what I need. Yep. That was a huge aha for me when I heard that. Well, the thing that got my attention initially with the Avison was you know, my friend Patrick McGann. He was, I think, 74 at the time he ran into the Avison. He had a Beamer, which he'd bought through us about two years earlier, and that really made a difference with his diabetic, and it just made a huge difference in the functioning of his body. But his feet were still in such excruciating pain daily after two hours' work that he just had to take his feet off the ground for the rest of the day. And within about five weeks, he had gone from two hours to five hours a day. He could be up and working. And and at at the five-hour point, this is where he kind of got my attention. At the five-hour point, he said, I wasn't having excruciating. I'd have aches and pains in my feet, but I wasn't in such excruciating pain. I had to put them up. That's what got my attention. That's when I bought an Avison. And that was one of the first things I noticed was a change in my feet. Although, fortunately, I don't have any kind of diabetic problem there, but I had a genetic, I inherited tendency toward foot problems. And I had a, um, a tingling and a numbness in all 10 of my toes, and I thought it was from that genetic anomaly and that it was just nerve damage, and that's the way it was going to be. The second time I put my hand in the Avacyn, 80% of that disappeared, and within three months it was totally completely gone. Amazing. So the difference between shutting off pain pathways, which means restricting, which is going to create more congestion, to opening nerve pathways and communication pathways, which means the cells and the self-regulating mechanisms in the cells, now that they've got communication back, they can talk to each other and go, hey, I need a little bit of this, I need a little bit of that. So where a cell might put out, when it gets a signal, it might put out a few micrograins of a particular chemical that another set of cells needs. If medicine determines that that chemical is lacking, you know, where it might be, you know, one one thousandth of a microgram that the cell needs, it gets blasted with a two, two milligram capsule and it doesn't just target as the body would the cell that's got the deficiency or the problem but once you pour that two milligrams in all of the receptor sites in the body for that particular um, energy pattern get locked up there's where you get side effects because now 
where something was put in that's, well, we, we identified that we need some of this in the heart. <laughs> Great. But guess what? You didn't need it in the brain, and you didn't need it in the gut, <laughs> and you didn't need it in the spleen. <laughs> but it goes there anyway because they're receptor sites. So now we have all kinds of havoc. That's why this, the, the spreadsheet on side effect, quote-unquote side effects, diseases caused, is so long. Because it's not selective as the body would be selective when, when the set of cells said, I need something. And then if you put in those inhibitors, pain management, then that communication is further cut off and further frustrated by the fact that the system just got flooded with all this stuff that just confuses the whole communication system of the structure. Which, of course, then that creates a certain set of symptoms that, oh, have we got a pill for that? Let, let me get you one of those. And then those symptoms will all go away. And sure enough, they do. Then if you look on the package insert, oh, there's another set of symptoms to come, but we'll take care of that when it happens, and we've got a pill for that too. And by the time you get, you know, I remember in one particular intensive, we were talking about what people, pills people were on. There was a gentleman who was in the military, and he at that point got up from the classroom, went back to his room. We were in a, a facility that had bedrooms all around. He went back to his bedroom, brought out a Walmart-style plastic bag, and dumped a full bag out on the table of stuff he was taking every day. Wow. I've been there. Yeah. And not 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 pharmaceutical wise, but supplement wise. Right. Same same idea, same idea. But that's that's tough. Yeah, and an important. Yeah, and an important thing I think in the supplement world is as much as possible to get things that are based in food rather than in chemicals. Great, great you know, point. If we've got yeah. it based in food, then all the coenzymes and the you know the nutrients that are designed to enhance the use of that particular chemical in the body are there to support it. Whereas if you just put the chemical in, you create a deficiency somewhere because the body's got to go, well, if I'm going to use that, I need some of this. Well, let me go get some of that from here. Let me get some of that from here. Let me get some of that from here. And now you've got four more sets of symptoms. Yes, indeed. So, Allison uh, absolutely helps uh, restore parasympathetic uh, mode to the body. Balance. We can say that balance. Thank you. So, we hear so much about vagal nerve tone today and how important that is for, you know, the gut and, and the heart and so forth. So my thought here would be that restoring parasympathetic, would that increase? I mean, it seemed to me that would increase increase the vagal nerve tone. Yes. Yes. And many, many people will say, well, we need to stimulate this parasympathetic nervous system. That part of the autonomic nervous system needs to be stimulated. But, and I started to make this point earlier, I'm not sure I completed it, but if you stimulate an interactivity, but the pathways that supply the activity, i.e. blood, is blocked, then you've just frustrated the game. You've got to open those pathways so that when they are, you know, when the body starts to move out of sympathetic dominance, fear, flight, fright, freeze, fawning, starts to move out of that, then 
the pathways are restored to the areas that were robbed of nutrition and support and oxygen in order to facilitate being ready to run or fight. And that flight or fight response can only carry on for so long, and then the structure goes into adaption fatigue. Is that the same as the exhaustion phase? Well, the exhaustion phase is adaption fatigue comes first in Cellier's work, and then breakdown. That's where the, the system just becomes exhausted. So the adaption fatigue is first, and then exhaustion is pretty much the yes. the final um, the follow up rough yep. situation. I see. Yep. Wow, that's a serious place. So if we're if one is nearing or in an exhaustion phase, that almost sounds to me like adrenal fatigue and things along that nature could be very well in the that same would be, period of time. Yes. And in our driven culture, got to go, 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 got to do it, do it, do it, got to fix it, fix it, got to produce, produce, produce. One of the last things people do is give themselves the space to rest and regenerate, recuperate. Once that uh, parasympathetic flow is opened, vagus nerve is now getting a blood supply, the whole structure is getting a blood supply there to rebuild, to redo what needs to be done. I mean, you just got to lay down and let it happen. You can't keep running and keeping all your energy going on the outside. You know, that's kind of a form of fawning. You know, oh, I have to make sure, but I have to do it. Mm-hmm. And that's part of what leads to that adaption fatigue and ultimately burnout. Yeah, thank you Exhaustion. for explaining that. I had, <clears throat> I had that marked down. I didn't quite uh, grasp it, but uh, now I see it. Now I'm hearing it, yeah. And, and the, the beginning, so that's the end stage of it. The beginning of it is stress. And a, a conversation that people need to put an end to is, well, I was just in a stressful situation. There is no such thing as a stressful situation. Stress is never created from the outside. Stress comes from goal. You know, I've, I've sat in all kinds of stress management workshops, and they can tell you, you know, you should breathe, and you should relax, and you should do this in order to deal with it. But I've never found anybody that could tell me what causes stress. So the person who's sitting, you know, the example we used earlier, the person who's sitting back in the spa, relaxed, and, you know, everything's wonderful. And they hear a sound of what appears to be a gunshot. And now everything goes on high alert. Why? Because I have a goal to survive. If I didn't have a goal to survive in that situation, I'd just lay back and go, eh. Kind of like the drug addict naturally does. Mm-hmm. So, wow. and, and this is the genius of Yeshua coming 2,000 years ago from the other end of this whole conversation and saying, if you've got a problem, you need to do some forgiveness. And the core of forgiveness is canceling goals. Huh? Cancel goal. You just alleviated a stress. You just opened a pathway for different information and energy to flow within the structure. And if at the root of that goal, if the other end of that goal was rage, fear, terror, trauma, by canceling that goal, the core of the forgiveness worksheet process, 
that perceptual construct that's based in threat and fear collapses in on itself, and now you have direct access to the underlying energy distressing the cell and creating the fatigue and exhaustion. So, you know, I mean, 2,000 years ago, this genius tells you sufficient for the day are the evils thereof. And the word evil there in Aramaic isn't, you know, the classic Greek evil, but another prop, a proper interpretation of that word in Aramaic is unripened or incomplete. So don't have any more goals for today than those that you can comfortably and reasonably complete in the next waking period. Sufficient for the day are the evils thereof. That's what he was saying. He was talking about stress management, and then he told him how to do it. Here's how you forgive. Shebag. Cancel. You look at the goal that's driving your structure into exhaustion phase stress, and you cancel that goal. When you cancel that goal in the presence of love, that goal collapses in on itself and gives you access to the underlying disintegrative energy that's impacting and destroying the cell. Now you bring that forward and that energy is transmuted in the presence of active love and the act of forgiveness has taken place. It's all about stress. He was teaching 2,000 years ago. Hans Selye did a bang-up job of showing us what it means today. And he so was, no more. What was he? Forties, fifties. Selye. Oh yeah, yeah. He was back. Mm-hmm. I think it might have been sixties, late late fifties. Yeah. Okay. Canadian neuroscientist. Amazing. At least I consider him so, to be that. I'm, medicine might not, but he was, you know just so on track with that stress stuff. But even he didn't, I think, he knew to, you know, hold back the goals, but I don't think he had the comprehension of this is what creates stress and this is how you get rid of it. You cancel goal, you collapse the perception that's driving based in that energy that doesn't belong in the cell and you process it out through having love present in you as you collapse that perceptual construct based in what was at the root of the sympathetic dominance in the first place. So we've got a whole feedback loop and everywhere that you can step into the loop, you're going to assist the body's going to be more capable of restructuring itself according to its original harmonious plan. What a much better place to live. Yeah. Well, we'll see people who, let's say for instance, they they're in that disease place and they find nutrition and they go off on carrying the banner. Nutrition is what heals disease. Nutrition doesn't heal disease. No, no, Michael, you don't understand. Poor nutrition causes poor nutrition doesn't cause disease. Poor nutrition is a symptom of disease. When somebody doesn't want to deal with the disease energies they put in themselves, they run for a six pack of beer or a, you know a, a bag of Doritos or whatever, something with sugar, something with salt, something with rancid oils in it that suppresses the system. And now one doesn't have to feel how cool is that? But if you shut down the pathways to feed back what you're doing to yourself, then you're just on a self-destructive pathway. 
So each place that we can step into the cycle and improve it, poor nutrition doesn't cause disease, good nutrition doesn't cure disease. However, poor nutrition is a very big factor in virtually all diseases, <laughs> and good nutrition is a very big factor in all healing, but it's a factor, it's not cause. And that's where the invitation was to be holy, not down on your knees with your hands folded, but whole, understanding on every level how this whole system interacts and functions. That's holy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, and, and I knew that something just wasn't adding up in my mind. I shared with you for years, I think on the show even, that uh, I would see all these different types of uh, practice of, of medicine, visit people, speak with them, even, you know, the work uh, that I had in, inside a health facility, a natural health healing facility for some years. I would see people doing all the right things, eating the most pristine diet, exercising, and yet still pass off this plane. And it just didn't make sense to me until I came across this work, your work, and uh, things like the Avicen. It's just absolutely amazing. Well, I'll go back to the ancient scriptures, and they said, whatever you're looking for, Whatever your stress is about, whatever the goal is, and you're trying to get it from out there, it's not going to come from out there. If you don't get it in here, you don't get it. So seek ye first your connection to the creative self, the being called love that you are, and then go out and set your goals in the world and have a blast. It's, that's what it's there for. But if you try to do it backwards, you try to get something from the world, whether the world is your body or your mind or your emotions or your finances, whatever, you try to get something from that that you don't have. You know, that, that passage says, to, to he that has it will be given. To he who has not, that which he has will be taken away. If you're not connected on the level of creatorship, then you can't have what the creation offers. You can only have what's structured in the system. You know, there's that law of the perpetual transmutation of radiant energy, which means one form of energy changes to another, to another, to another by these different transmuting devices. You know, the plan is a transmuting device that takes light from the sun and turns it into chlorophyll that, when you take it into your body, cleanses your bloodstream because the, the blood molecule is identical to the chlorophyll molecule. The only difference between the two is one has um, iron in the center of it, the other one has magnesium in the center of it. So if you don't have that connection on the level where you're a creator, then you'll simply, through the law of perpetual transmutation of radiant energy, you'll simply keep creating along the lines of what your generations did, which was you know, symbolized by being lost in the desert for 40 years. Mm-hmm. So it just, you know, it all comes back full circle and it makes perfect sense. But then kings don't want things to make per- perfect sense when the king is on the receiving end of, you know, everything that everybody produces. The king wants to make sure that people believe they have to keep producing for him. Doesn't matter what he has to do to do it. <laughs> Where so when we make the connection to who we are, mm-hmm. what we've always done. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, that's so true. Keep getting what be, we've always gotten. 
what this is, I was just going to say that. That's exactly what I'm thinking. We can transmuting the energy from our generational heritage. We're going to get what we always got, right? Right. And we were given this gift of creatorship. And, and creatorship is essentially the ability to transmute energy, change it from one form to another, chlorophyll. That's creatorship. That's transmuting energy. And we were given the ability to take this, like, this whole creation and by harmonizing with it and understanding how its flow goes rather than how to restrict the things we, we don't want to feel and deal with, but how its flow goes, then you get to direct the next piece of transmutation that happens in your life. It's called creatorship. But if you're not conscious of that, if you haven't dealt with the generational patterns, then the generations are going to do the transmutation. You're going to go, oh, well, that's just life. That's the way it goes. Now, there's a saying, a quote that you mentioned, I think here. Um, Carl Jung. Seems to be on those lines. Yeah, he was brilliant. He had a lot of That's awesome true. pieces to the puzzle. Mm. Well, I think the one you might be thinking of, and it doesn't, the whole quote doesn't come to mind, but it ends with, and we will call it fate. And we will call it fate. That's, you know, the, that's things, the one I was the thinking we about. Re- yeah, the things we refuse to deal with. Mm-hmm. We hide from ourselves. And men, men going through lives and then, in quiet desperation. Well, now that, that's going to a, a different writer, but same same basic okay, thing. Yeah. Okay. Go from the desperate city to the de- desperate country and satisfy themselves with the death of minks and muskrats. In other words, they feel some power by killing things <laughs> instead of feeling the power of the presence of love in them, which is where their creatorship lies and bringing that fully into form. Then all the entertainments and distractions of the world that cause suffering to anything or anybody would disappear because there'd be no need for it anymore. There'd be no demand for it. And we're entering a, a stage in in our devolution where the attractiveness of drugs and alcohol, I mean, you look at the, the guy who was the Speaker of the House under the family um, family values party is now one of the biggest drug pushers in the country, pushing for the legalization of marijuana because he owns the core crops. <laughs> Oh boy. And we're in a, you know, we're in a, an area here that Jeannie talks about remembering when they moved to Bristol, Virginia, that uh, they had blue laws. Nothing was open on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And they just now recently, you know, we've got a, a new big giant casino coming into town. And, uh, and in the same building where the casino was being built, they were doing their legalized marijuana growing and producing. I said, unfortunately, at the behest of the former Speaker of the House of the United States Congress. Just perpetuating family values. Bread and circuses. Yeah. Yep. That's it. Bread and circuses. It's unfortunate. Very unfortunate. <clears throat> But there's big money in it. 
big money in it. And those who think that uh, money is the source of all happiness will accumulate billions, but you know they'll still end with divorces and offspring that commit suicide. So it obviously isn't the solution. Yeah. How wonderful that we can see a glimpse of the other side. Yes. It's just really beautiful. Yes. What we're designed for. Offer hope. Offer hope. The natural. Yep. The natural state of the human being is what we're designed for. Uh, It's been been wonderful to review this and, and learn more, Michael. Thank you very much. How was it? Paul said it. You know, be not conformed to this world, but seek ye first. The place where you exist as love is the place where all creative action starts. If you've squandered that away, you know, I mean, over the years, I can't tell you how many people when you start talking about love, and they're like, "I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't. I don't even have that experience. I I don't have a clue what you're talking about." Oh. So it's the restoration of being that it all starts with. So last question on the Addison. The I believe I heard you speaking that you can use this in the car. Well, I wouldn't suggest you use it while you're driving in your car, no. Correct. But we've now been on driving. we've been on as trips where mm-hmm. where you know I've used it. You know, Gene's been driving. I've used it as a passenger with it plugged into the cigarette lighter. Or these air old brain cells are not cigarette lighters anymore. They're now just power supplies in the car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess I gave away my age when I said the cigarette lighter. <laughs> Young kids yeah. don't know what that is anymore in the car. <laughs> Just like those blue laws, I remember those till wow. Now it's probably yep. close to ten anyway. And yeah, nothing was open. You, even if you planned a trip, you had to really uh, figure out the gas uh, situation, fuel situation. Right. As many places weren't yep. open. It was a different day. Now you can pop in anywhere, buy all the drugs you want. Well, maybe not all of them, but they're they're growing the supply. The alcohol is to the point where it's killing about three point three three million people around the globe every year. So that one's well integrated into the culture and you know been thought of as just something kind of fun and natural for humans to do. The thing that kills over three point three million people a year around the globe. It's bizarre how our minds have been turned around. Bizarre how it's been shifted backward. I think your words were. Well, of course I have a cabinet. Of course I have a special cabinet in my home (laughs) where where I keep this celebration fluid for my best friends and and my family. I bring it out and we drink it and it goes slobbering down this this, this stairway with it. (laughs) Yeah, that, that, that. That fluid, that's that's a good one. I have a special cabinet just for those people I cherish most. Well, we think of what we do. My, 
Well, no, it's just how the mind's been skillfully turned backward and turned around. And, of course, that old game of denial. You know? What if we gave up every reason we had for being pissy or, you know, what have you? What if we what if we actually faced every power person dynamic inside of us, worked through those things, and just gave it up, just forgave it, and functioned as direct creators, bringing love energy into our forms and transmuting it into an expression that just literally pours love out into the universe. That's what the human was designed for. It's not about some kind of a religious trip. It's just real simple. It's what this mm-hmm. instrument is designed for. What a different world. But the king had different plans. Because he scooped up his wealth by conning those people into doing behaviors that no human mind would ever approve of, no truly human mind would ever approve of or participate in. But it's been skillfully turned around to where it looks heroic to do those things now. It's like, wow, what a, what a turnaround in mind energy. And, of course, that's just as important a part of cellular healing as anything else is. Well, it's been been wonderful to to uh, go over this, Michael, and learn learn this. It's been wonderful. We'll continue the journey. It's maybe maybe sometime again before I get a chance to come on. But it's been wonderful, and I really thank you and Jeannie for the platform and all the information. Well, we hold you in our hearts. Extend love in your direction to everybody down there in Texas with you. Uh, Texas could need a little support, I think, at these days. So we just extend it in your direction. <laughs> I certainly appreciate that and sending you that back, and thank you very much. All right. Lots of love and blessings. Take care. Same here, Michael. Thanks now. Bye. All right. So we're down to the last minute. Time flies when you're having fun. So much appreciation for everyone who lends their ears to these conversations and uh, hope they serve you well and create the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give the world. Blessings. Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with Dr. Michael Rice and myself, Jeannie Rice, and Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet as we present the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We are here for two hours every Monday through Friday from 12 noon to 2 o'clock Eastern Time on Mindshifters Radio. For more information on Aramaic forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. That's www.whyagain.org.